Join me every month for the inspiration to find your finish line. Hello, everyone. How are you doing today? This is Find Your Finish Line, presented by Curad Performance, the official medical supplier of Ironman. I'm Mike Riley, and this podcast is not only about you being able to find your finish line at a race or an event, but in life. I'll talk with successful people who have overcome the hurdles to get where they are today in both sport and life. And my guest today, and I'm hope she, I hope she's excited to hear what I'm about to say as I am to say it. She is the 2021 Ironman 70.3 world champion, Lucy Charles Barkley. Welcome to Find Your Finish Line. Oh, thanks for having me. It's so good to be here. And it's so good to finally hear those words said after what feels like so many years of trying to win a world title. So yeah, I'm over the moon to be here and over the moon to hear that. Well, thank you. And you know, it's interesting because uh, we all go through everything together in the world of, of endurance sports because we see what people's results are, whether it's an age grouper that's 70 years old or a, a great professional athlete like yourself. And when you attain something that you've been trying to attain for so long, it almost seems sweeter, doesn't it? I think definitely. There's been such a fire burning inside to get a world title and there was different emotions on the finish line, but one of them was definitely just relief to finally do it after it felt like I was going to be eternally second and I really didn't want that. So yeah, I've, it was so good to finally get that win. Well, before I jump into a lot about that race and, and, uh, and your background, I first have to ask, how's Lola doing? Yeah, Lola is really good. She gets to stay with my parents when we go away. So she has been very, very spoiled, and but I think she's very glad to be back with us now. Well, Lola is is uh, Reese's and and Lucy's Jack Russell. Uh, so I'm surprised you don't travel with her. I would definitely travel with her. We did take her to Lanzarote once, but she wasn't allowed in the actual cabin with us, and it's quite an ordeal to put a small <laughs> little dog in the back of a plane. So, yeah, if we could travel with her on our lap, she would definitely come everywhere with us. Well, the Riley family has always been a dog family, and I know that's what you aspire. I, I think I heard once you say that after you retire, you'd have you'd have dogs all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, we love dogs. I think both Reese and I grew up with dogs, and we said that we'd love to rescue dogs when we're done with triathlon. So we might have our own little dog sanctuary and, and rescue lots of different ones. <laughs> I, I love it. Well, let's talk about St. George, Utah. They call it the land of endurance, which I think is very cool. It's a great moniker for them. If you sat down, Lucy, before the race, and you know what kind of shape you were in, you know what you did and, and how you sacrificed and prepared and, and trained, but if you could sit down and write the script for that day prior, do you think it'd be anything like how the day turned out? <laughs> Sorry, Lola was crying in the background. I know, I love it, I love it. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, when we kind of did the build up to the race, I'd had a few up and downs. I'd actually got um, two different sick bugs and we were staying at altitude 
and getting a cold at altitude is definitely not fun. It was my first experience being up there and I was like, is this the altitude doing this or is this just that I've got a pretty bad cold? But luckily I managed to get over that pretty quickly and I was definitely feeling good. I remember going to the pre-race press conference uh, where you interviewed me there and I deep down just really wanted to say that I'm here to win. I I felt a confidence that if I had my day, I could potentially go and win. But you never know what might happen in triathlon. So many things can go wrong. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to jinx it. I'm not going to say that. And I also remember thinking, well, you never can control what any athlete is doing. So I'm just going to keep quiet here. I'm not going to kind of sound overly confident. But deep down, I had a confidence that I could potentially win the race. Well, I, I have to tell you, you're talking about that press conference because I kind of thought that was going to come out of you. I kind of thought that that's what you wanted to say. And then we went to our to our guys, Gustav and, and Christian. And that's all they talked about, how <laughs> they discounted the rest of the field, for goodness sakes. So I, I, I think uh, I, I don't. I don't think people would have picked it up in you as arrogance because I think we kind of know the person you are and and uh, how passionate you are. But but I could kind of feel you wanted to say that, didn't you? For sure, yeah. I thought, oh, I'm just going to sit here quietly, confident, and not and not burst it out. <laughs> I, I love the confidence of the Norwegian guys. Like I'm big fans of both Gustav and Christian, and sometimes I wish that I had that almost outward confidence leading into a race. But yeah. Prefer to keep it under under radar that I'm feeling confident, and then put it put it together and let my performance do the talking. You know, a lot of our motivation in life is sometimes it's based on what people don't believe in us. And you had the fastest swim of the day in St. George. You had the fastest bike, and you had the fastest run. And that's where quote unquote, those naysayers out there. Well, Lucy, she can swim like hell. She bike, you know, like the wind, but, but the running and, and you had to feel so gratified to show the world, Hey, I'm also a runner. Look what I just did at the back end of a great swimming bike. Yeah. The run was definitely the part of the day that I'm most proud of. I think like so many people have had a question mark about my run and Deep down, I knew that I could run. I I do some amazing running and training. And I think for the last two, three years, I've been really confident about my running and training. But what I've been able to produce in training has never fully come across in a race. And it's always been frustrating because people are like, oh, well, she, yeah, like you said, she's so strong on the swim. She's, She's strong on the bike, but her run lets her down a bit. And I was like, I know I've got this run in me and I can't wait for the day where I can finally show it and put the whole day together. And that definitely happened in St. George. It just was one of those days where everything just came together. And and that run, I just felt so controlled on that run at the end as well. And that was the biggest takeaway was that it's not an easy course in St. George. It's tough with those hills, but I just felt very consistently strong. And it was nice to be running, obviously, with a comfortable lead. I think that that made that run even more enjoyable for me. Well, I have to give you uh, or let you know about a compliment that was thrown your way. I was at the hot corner uh, standing there announcing, and along with me was Mark Allen and Dave Scott, who kind of know a little bit about running. And as you went through, Dave Scott said, said out loud, oh my gosh, that's a beautiful style. Look at her. <laughs> it, it almost was like, he had seen you before, and I know he saw you at Collins Cup and other races, but that can't comment came out of his mouth right away. So that has to that has to make you proud from a guy like that. 
I would definitely take that. Yeah, if Dave, Co- <laughs> Dave Scott is throwing out compliments, you're going to take them all day long. <laughs> if let's say in St. George, you had been maybe pushed a little more, or somebody had been on your heels on the run or with you on the bike. Do you think Lucy Charles had more in the tank that day? I'm definitely an athlete who loves a battle. I mean, I I was born so competitive. Like I, I love a real battle and a competition. So I definitely feel like there could have been more. Maybe I could have gone faster if one of the girls had been closing or, or chasing me down. And I guess that's kind of the one part of me that I'm used to. I'm used to kind of crossing a finish line, whether I've come second, third, fourth. And I know I've crossed that line and I've given absolutely everything. And that normally, despite whatever the result is, I'm satisfied because I'm like, I know I gave that absolutely everything. I couldn't have given any more. So there was like a inner conflict in St. George because I crossed the line. I got the world title that I'd always dreamed of, but I was like, I think there could have been a tiny bit left in the tank. Like I don't think I like I fully emptied out that tank. So yeah, who knows? If I was pushed a bit more, maybe I could have gone a bit faster. It's interesting to hear you say you had a bit of inner conflict, but thinking about it, that inner conflict is who you are and how how that competitive nature in you makes you a champion. Uh, so so you 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 must look at that inner conflict as a positive for you. Yeah, I think it definitely is. It, it like you said, it makes me the athlete who I am. That I'm always striving for more. I'm trying to find maybe where could I get a little bit more? Is there a margin of gain to be made there? And I, I like that I'm not completely satisfied because it means I can go away. I'm going to work hard and I, I want to improve even on that performance. And I still believe I could maybe do even better than that, particularly over the full distance as well. There's still a burning desire to get that that full distance world title as well. Yeah, and I want to talk about that because that race will be back and here we are going back to St. George in May. But tell us the story, tell the audience out there the story you told the audience at the awards ceremony in St. George of why the red dress, which by the way was beautiful. Why the red dress? (laughs) So uh, we were staying up in Cedar City before coming down to St. George and I was trying to pack lightly for the race as it was because I didn't want to take too much stuff down there. And I had two dresses to wear for the awards ceremony. And one of them was nice, but it was just blue and a bit more casual. And then I had this red dress that I was like, it's a bit over the top. And uh, I wasn't sure if I would wear it. And I said to Reese, I would only wear the red one if I won the race. And he was like, we'll just pack the red one then. (laughs) And I was like, oh God, I've really got to win now because I would feel pretty bad turning up in that if I wasn't up the front of the race. You know, they, they've had songs about red dresses. Now you can write a championship song about t- packing a red dress instead of the blue one. And when you said that, I thought about it. I go, oh, my gosh, all the women out in the audience, next time they go out, they sure as heck aren't going to wear a blue dress. <laughs> <laughs> At the next awards, every woman there will be in a red dress. They'll know. <laughs> I can't wait to see that. Lu- Lucy, where did your... You've got a strong, solid work ethic, and that just doesn't happen overnight. And it's hard to keep up a strong, solid work ethic. Where did it come from in you going back in in time? Where did it come from? I think I had it from a very young age. I remember growing up and my parents saying that you can do whatever you want in this life, but you've got to make sure that 
one you want it and one you'll work for it and I always do whatever I wanted I would work for it and obviously I started out as a swimmer my goal even as a nine-year-old was to try and make the Olympic team and even as a nine-year-old in the pool I outworked every single person in that pool and I think I was probably the only nine-year-old that wanted the 200 butterfly to be my event because I was like that's the hardest event that's the one I want to do and then eventually I found distance swimming and I was like that's even harder I'm gonna do that it's a bigger challenge and I always wanted to be the hardest worker in the pool and I never really lost that all the way through my swimming career and I think I've come into triathlon and I've kind of I still have that mentality and actually the one thing that drives my husband Reese mad is that I always don't think I've done enough I always think I could have done more I could do more and he's like you, you couldn't have done more. You did everything. Like you've worked nonstop. So slowly I've believed that I've done enough. And I think leading into St. George, I, I believed I'd done enough. I knew I'd worked harder than I'd ever worked. I'd kind of rode the hard times when I was sick. And when I didn't feel great, I still managed to get through them. And we were up at altitude and we were taking the risk. And I was like, I, I really do believe this will pay off and that I just have worked Harder than anyone could have worked, um, and yeah, it did pay off. That was a, a beautiful payoff. Uh, congratulations again on that. It was it was great. Uh, was there a time, or is there a time in your athletic life that you compared yourself to others? Yeah, definitely. I think, especially in the kind of era that we live in at the moment with social media, it's so easy to compare yourself to other athletes, but you're always only seeing like the best side of what's going on. So you never really know what might be going on behind the scenes. It may look like an athlete is absolutely crushing it in training every single day. But I mean, realistically, we're all going to have a rest day at some point, but (laughs) people don't often share their rest day. They just share the, the greatest day of training that they might have every now and again, that will always get shared. So I've kind of definitely learned probably in the last year to just focus on myself and that's kind of brought a lot more enjoyment back I've definitely been more satisfied um with how I've been doing and even myself I'm guilty of only really sharing the good things I don't often share when I'm suffering or things like that when I'm struggling so you can kind of understand that all the other athletes are going to be the same and you don't really know the struggles that they're going through so it's definitely easier said than done but it it's way better just to focus on yourself and what you're doing. And that way you're going to probably have more success and you're going to be far happier as well. Yeah. The old adage, and I heard it years ago, Lucy, living on the inside out ends up creating a stronger person in yourself because you don't go, Oh, look what she's doing. Look what he's doing. Look what they're doing. Because then you're aspiring to something you really don't know about. And you know about yourself better than anybody else. A hundred percent. Yeah. I totally agree with that. So I, I wish, I'm sorry, I, I have to apologize. I wish I could remember in 2000 and, what was it, 50? Yeah, 2015, bringing you up on stage in Kona as the 18 to 24 female champion. Uh, I, I, you know, I can't remember everybody I bring up on stage. Do you remember that moment of when you got to come up on that stage in Kona as an age group champion? Oh, yeah, I definitely remember that. It was <laughs> such a special day because... Obviously, it was my first time on the island as an age grouper. I really didn't know what to expect, and I'd been overwhelmed by the whole experience. And I actually remember that morning of the race being so strangely calm. I was like, so calm. And I was like, um, 
deep down, obviously, I wanted to do well, but I just didn't know what to expect. I, I really thought that I don't really mind what happens because it's my first time here and I just want to obviously put down a good performance, but ultimately enjoy the experience. So actually, when I won my age group, I was just like, I couldn't believe it. I was so excited. And I do remember going to the awards ceremony and just like feeling on top of the world. And yeah, it it was brilliant. It was definitely... Apart from probably my first time there as a pro, it was definitely one of my favorite experiences on the island. And so many times when I brought up the 18 to 24 and even the 25 to 29 uh, age groupers, I always tell the audience, you never know. We could have future professionals out of these age groupers right here. And it happens so many times. So congratulations. You turned pro. It was, was that race the reason why you turned pro the next year? Yeah, so in 2015, I won both the 70.3 and Ironman World Championships in that age category. And me being me, I was like, well, to just go and win that again isn't enough to motivate me to work hard. I need something scarier and bigger. So I was like, I want to try and go professional in this and, and see if I can compete with the best women in the world. And 2016 was quite a hard year because I had um, some injuries, so I didn't get to show the world what I felt I was about but then obviously 2017 was a real breakthrough year and that blew my mind more than winning obviously the age group titles how 2017 went so that will probably always be one of the most special years for me. So was that you think looking back is that one of the most emotional finishes you've ever had? Yeah except 2017 was so unexpected for me so I'd gone to Club La Santa in Lanzarote and I'd done a really good eight-week block of training, but I'd actually had an injury in my hip. So I I basically didn't run for the entire camp. I did, I did my first run off the plane there and my hip didn't feel great. And I remember every day saying, oh, maybe it'll go tomorrow. And I drove Reese mad for the entire eight weeks because it, I was like, it's still not gone. How am I going to do Kona? I can't run. Um, but luckily I'd done obviously loads of swimming, so much cycling. Uh, I'd been in the gym pretty much every single day. So I was strong. Um, and I remember landing on the Island and it was like magic. Like I was like, my hip, it feels fine. And it probably was where I'd had a couple of days rest from traveling and just chilled out a bit. And, and then my hip was fine. And I remember every day feeling a bit better on the run. And I was like, okay, I, I know I will finish now. Whatever happens, I will finish this. Um, and I was like, top 10 would be an absolute dream. And then to come away with second, I just could not believe it. Then it's definitely probably the most emotional I've been on a finish line. Maybe second to St. George now. But um, yeah, it yeah. was such a special moment. Hold on, everyone. We'll be right back after a message from our sponsors. Even after 40 years on the microphone at thousands of events, welcoming hundreds of thousands of athletes to the finish lines, I am still in awe by the incredible endurance of each and every athlete and what you display. The physical exertion, the sweat, and the challenges you put your body through deserve a level of support that match your dedication. As the official medical supplier for the Ironman US Series, Curiad Performance Series lineups of wraps, tapes, bandages, supports, and braces give you, the serious athlete and weekend warriors alike, the optimal support needed to keep moving, including new far infrared kinesiology tape technology 
which reduces energy made through body heat, back to targeted areas to help you heal faster and enhance performance. So don't you let sprains and muscle pain hold you back. Recover smarter and shop the entire Curad Performance Series on Amazon. Talking about Reese, I, it's gotta be, you, you know, you guys are great partners. You, you've been together a long time. You train together, you work together. Reese coached you for a while. And it, it's gotta be a pretty special bond to be able to be with someone that's gonna tell you like it is, uh, and then also support you the way you need to be supported. Yeah, definitely. Reese and I met as swimmers, so we've been together about 10 years now. And we went through a lot of hard times as swimmers. It was super high pressure environment and there was lots of ups and downs. And then we found triathlon together and we kind of ventured into this crazy world of Ironman and, and Reese had a sports science degree. So he had all the knowledge, he would do all the research. And I wouldn't have finished that first Ironman if it wasn't for him because I didn't even think about things like, oh yeah, you might need to eat and drink during this event. Um, and we learned that you couldn't do it on a mountain bike, which we first thought that we would do it on a mountain bike. Uh, we soon invested in a road bike and then eventually upgraded to a TT bike about two or three weeks before the event, which was super last minute and I wouldn't recommend doing that. But, yeah. um, <laughs> but we've made it to this point here and yeah, Reese has definitely been, I couldn't do it without him. Like just the fact that he's there day in, day out seeing what I'm doing um like you said he will tell me exactly how it is he's not gonna like sugarcoat anything and I can always trust him to tell me exactly not not always what I want to hear but exactly what I need to hear um and yeah I trust him 100% and actually this year we we started working with Dan Larang as well and he's been a, a really great addition to our team and I almost see it as now I have two amazing sets of eyes looking at what I'm doing, which is always better than one. And yeah, I think that's probably going to be a really good partnership going forward. It's already had a world title this year. So yeah, I'm excited to see what we can achieve as a team. So, so many, as you know, Lucy, so many people in uh, triathlon age groupers, there's trepidation about getting in the water because people just don't have that swimming background. They become triathletes. Oh my gosh, I got to go swim. Uh, and, and so everybody's always scared about that. But you grew up a swimmer. You grew up being one that just loved the lane lines, <laughs> you know, and, and getting that done. Uh, and, and the aspiration of being on the uh, Britain's Olympic team. And you've gone through that cycle a couple of times. And that's been a real big desire of yours, isn't it? it, it it's got to be bittersweet because you've, you've wanted to be on that team and you haven't. You've been so close. Why do you think the Olympics have such a draw for Lucy Charles? I think I, I remember being probably about eight years old and, and watching the Olympics and thinking, I, I really want to do that. That's where I want to go with sport. So growing up as a swimmer, it was always about the Olympics and chasing that Olympic dream and coming so close in swimming. And then I just knew I couldn't do another four years after 2012. It was like the dream to be at the home Olympics. And I came within touching distance and then to not get it was really, really tough. And by that point, I was definitely losing the love of swimming. It is such a tough sport, like morning yeah. and night swimming, following that black lane line and 
limited social interaction because you can't speak when you're underwater. So um, yeah, it can be a pretty solitary sport and it, it really is a grueling sport. So it, it's taught me so much about how to train, how to be an athlete and you definitely get an amazing work ethic from being a swimmer. But then when I found triathlon, I was like, this is the best thing ever because there's free sports, there's variety. You can actually communicate and talk to people whilst you're cycling and running. So it's a much more social sport. Um, and there's so many different ways to improve and things to improve on. So you feel like you can always progress because there's something that you can work on that maybe is a weakness. So that was the biggest draw for triathlon for me. And also because I'd lost the love of swimming and I kind of, the fun part of it was taken away. That was something that Reese and I always stood by when we came into triathlon was we needed to keep it fun and, and keep it enjoyable. So even now at the top level in triathlon, we still make things fun. We have a laugh. We don't take things too seriously all the time. And actually I would say that's where a lot of success has come from because we're just having such a great time together doing what we love doing. Uh, that's beautiful. And, and, so many times when I hear pros and age groups talk about, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, of age groups talk about peaking for that certain race like you did in St. George, is there one running or cycling workout, maybe, I don't know, a, a week, 10 days before, where you, you, you say to yourself, I'm there? Does that always happen for you every race where all of a sudden you go, oh my gosh, I think I'm really ready? Yeah, so I think it varies quite a lot. I used to always do one of the same run sessions leading into an Ironman, which was like a nearly 36-kilometre run on a treadmill, and it had three 5K efforts in the run. And even the thought of doing that now, <laughs> I don't think I'd want to do that right now. But <laughs> definitely if I if I nailed that session, I knew I was in shape to do a really good Ironman. But Actually, I feel like this year's been very different. I haven't done anything that I would consider like a super heroic type of workout. I've just been really consistent with what I've done. And I can remember back to some of the sessions I did um, probably about a month or six weeks out from St. George where I was doing some really long continuous track running sessions and just running at speeds I'd never ran before. And I was like, I think something good is going to come after this. Like I, I really feel like I'm in probably the best shape of my life. But then I looked back at what I did in training and I definitely didn't do some of the silly big sessions that I do before. I just kind of consistently ticked away. Um, and I think that is the best way to do it. You don't have to do these stupid sessions that then put you in a hole. All you actually have to do is just consistently work. And some of those sessions will be pretty hard, but you'll recover well enough to go again the next day. And it's not like you need an entire day off to recover because you did a really hard session. So I think they say it a lot, but consistency is key and it, and it definitely is. So, so we're going back to St. George in May for the world championship, which is when I say it, it just seems weird. You know, uh, I haven't said that in 30 some years <laughs> that we're not going to Kona, but we're going to have a world championship. Do you think that race being in St. George is going to be an advantage for you, Lucy, because you know that course? Yeah, I'd like to believe it will be an advantage. Obviously, I have such a positive feeling now around St. George. I absolutely love the place. The people were amazing and the landscape was incredible to race on. And knowing the course and the area will definitely play into my favor. And 
having won a world title there, I feel very positive about going back. And obviously the conditions will be slightly different. I think it'll be slightly cooler than it was. Um, It will most likely be a wetsuit swim, which doesn't play so much into my favour. But the fact that the swim is double the length, it obviously does play into my favour. I'm not sure whether they will keep the run the same. I think four laps of that course would be pretty brutal. I mean, I'd be all for it because I, I had a great run there, but... I think that would be a pretty tough marathon to run. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I imagine they will do a slightly different run course. But, yeah, I, I'm really excited for it. I think, obviously, Kona is the history of the sport and I definitely will want to be back there in October. But if it was going to be anywhere else, then why not put it at the place where I won my first world title and hopefully I can get my second one. Uh, yeah, are you are you happy about it being... A two-day two-day event in Kona in October with the, you, you, the women going on Thursday and the men on Saturday. Yeah, I think it, it's great for women to have our own day, and I I hope we get the same amount of coverage as the men. And the women's sport is just going up and up, and the standard is rising, and everyone is just pushing the the kind of the the female sport into the I guess the future. There's just so much talent and depth in the women's field, so we will definitely put on a show big enough to have as much coverage as the men. And yeah, I'm looking forward to having our own day and obviously all of us just taking over the island on on our day. I I won't say just because people will criticize me for it that the Women's Day will be a better day, but it will be as equal or as good or maybe even better. I don't care (laughs) what they say. (laughs) (laughs) Lucy, how do you think... How do you think the sport of triathlon is doing and, and whether it's diversity or gender equity or, or how, how do you think the sport of triathlon is doing as, as sports go in the world? Yeah, I think triathlon is, it's booming at the moment. And I feel like it's been booming since I came into triathlon in 2015. It just seems to have kind of grown and diversified in time in terms of events that it's hosting like we have so many different things happening now which can always only be great for the sport and obviously triathlon is it's an expensive sport it requires a lot of equipment which can limit people's access to the sport but there is so many positive characters in this sport amazing stories of people that have overcome things and managed to finish the crazy distance that is an Ironman despite all the struggles they've had in their life so from my side I've always felt like there is a huge amount of respect between the athletes because just to finish an Ironman requires so much dedication such a huge work ethic that between all athletes from the top of the sport all the way to the bottom there is just a very big amount of respect and I've always loved that about this sport and and I've always I, I've loved it too when when all the professionals will talk about the age groupers going through the same ups and downs and obviously racing the same course and getting to that finish line and you don't know how many times I've had the, the champions with me and Kona the last hour and they're watching the final hour of and you've probably been back there too, watching the final hour of finishers come in and go, how the heck can they be out there for 17 hours? I could never do that. So the respect, as you say, is, uh, is pretty amazing. So how does, how does, how do you, how do you relax? Is it Netflix playing with Lola, going for a hike, reading a book? What do you, what do you do to break down and, and say, you know what? I need some time for me. 
Yeah, I think the best thing Reese and I ever did was get a dog. It's the perfect distraction <laughs> from kind of the triathlon lifestyle. And Lola's an amazing dog because she might only be small, but she can actually run pretty far and she has a ton of energy. So she's quite difficult to wear out, which we see as a bit of a challenge. How how can we wear Lola out by the end of the day? And yeah, so she's a really great distraction to have. But we we are very lucky where we live. We live near an amazing forest where we can go and kind of we mountain bike in there for fun we will run with Lola in there or just go for a walk and just enjoy ourselves and if we're not or if we're not at home then we like to go down to Cornwall um in the south in the coast and just have a have a bit of a chill time down there we both love the beach and pretend that we can surf but we really can't um <laughs> and yeah just 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 have a lot of fun and we're also very fortunate when we are at home we live right on the edge of London so we love going into the city and going out for dinner or going shopping or doing normal things so yeah we can be normal as well <laughs> well wait you talk about energy of Lola wait till you have kids you, you, you <laughs> it, it's uh I, you know with our kids they're older now but now I've got two grandkids and I swear, if we watch them for like 24 hours, I think I just announced an Ironman. It, it just, <laughs> it, it's just amazing how they just, uh, it, it's the best, but the, the energy level is, is kind of crazy. What, uh, when do you think you'd come back to the States? Are you going to base you, you're going to stay in England for how long and, and come back over here? Yeah, so I'll definitely head back out to Utah probably at least a month before the race, I think. And just, um, obviously I had such a good camp before, um, 70.3 world. So that's most likely what we will do. Um, I may also do some racing in the U S in December. I'm not quite sure yet. Um, and I know there's a 70.3, I think Oceanside maybe next year. So I think that could be quite a good build up. but at the moment, everything's quite well, nothing's really planned yet. We're just having a bit of downtime and enjoying ourselves, but, yeah, I, I love racing in the US. I love the energy of the people. I just love how upbeat they are. And they've got so much more enthusiasm than here in the UK. So um, <laughs> I definitely enjoy that. And uh, yeah, I, I think we'll be back pretty soon. Well, I, you know, we've all been going through very tough times the last 18 months or so, and we just don't know what the future holds. If we could predict that, it'd be great, but we just can't. What kind of advice would you give our age groupers who are struggling and, you know, they've had races held off or canceled or postponed. And, you know, you know what it's like, it, you know, the rug gets pulled out from underneath you after you put in, you know, four hard months of training, what kind of advice would you give to them? Yeah, it's so, it's so difficult. And obviously 2020 was such a hard year where I don't think I raced for the entire year. So I pretty much kind of put racing to the back of my mind when things got difficult and decided I would just focus on improving my weaknesses and focusing on the things that maybe I don't always get enough time to kind of dedicate a real block of time to. So just like really working on getting stronger, working on my run, more my technique actually more than anything and just focusing on the little things that sometimes get neglected. So I think it's so hard when you build up to a race and then it doesn't happen. It is really, really difficult. And even for us as pros, Kona being moved around has been pretty hard. And even when Kona um, got postponed from October, I knew that I was potentially in the shape of my life and just really want to get back and do that race. But I, I, you kind of almost have to take the positive that more time is never a bad thing, no matter how well you're doing. You could always improve something if you just think about where your weaknesses are, really just try and tick away at those and 
just try and stay positive. It's so easy to say that and difficult to do, but now that times are getting a bit easier and we can actually train with other people again, I think one of the biggest things we've done is just try and train as much as we can with our friends, make things fun. Um, usually it's just Reese and I doing training on our, on our own, but actually we have a lot of fun when we can just bring in our friends and go for a ride and don't get too stressed and don't take things too seriously. Treat yourself to a coffee and a cake on a ride and just, yeah, try and chill out a bit as well. Coffee and cake. There's nothing better. <laughs> <laughs> the comfort, comfort drink and comfort food. Uh, let's say it's 10, 15, 20 years from now. What kind of, what do you want to leave behind that, that people that will inspire people? What, what would you, what would you, in kind of a legacy thing, would you want to, people to think about Lucy and, and, and their thoughts? What would you want to want that to be? Yeah, I hope that I will have inspired people to get into triathlon or if it's not triathlon, then just something that they find would be a challenge. So even if that's going and running a 5k and you think that's the biggest challenge, then just trying to push yourself out of your comfort zone to give it a try because this was like, Ironman was just a challenge for us. It was a scary challenge and now I've ended up having an amazing career already from it. So I hope that I can inspire other people to push themselves out of their comfort zones and particularly young women, if I can get them into sport. And I do try with things like my battle braids, trying to get um, <laughs> other young girls to braid their hair and, and get into doing different events. So yeah, I just hope that also it comes across that I just am a completely normal person. Like I've, yes, I had a background in swimming, but I had a very normal upbringing and I wanted to be an athlete from quite a young age, but I didn't get into triathlon until very late. So I think I was 21 when I did my first triathlon. So it doesn't matter how late you start, but just start, just chase that challenge. And I I didn't know if I'd be able to do that first Ironman, but I just sure as hell knew I wasn't going to give up on the day, no matter how slow I went. So it's not about being super fast, but just giving it a go. Well, you're, you're a great role model, a shining example for everybody, including young women, which I think is, is the best. Uh, on Find Your Finish Line, I always have one final question. I have friends that race the Baja 1000. I don't know if you know what that is. They race 1,000 miles through the Baja, California, down in Mexico. And afterwards, they sit around, they call it, they call it table racing. They sit around the table and they reminisce about the race, you know, because the, 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 they're out there for a long time racing. So I call it tri-table racing. Reminisce with us about an event, whether it was a 5K you ran or a swim meet or something. Reminisce with us about an event and a memory of that event that comes to your mind. Oh, I have a quite a funny example of a day where it was pretty much sums me up entirely who I am. So <laughs> <laughs> I was I was coming back from an injury and um, it was the first race of the cross country running series with our with our running club. And I begged Reese to let me do it. And he was like, okay, I'm going to let you do this, but you have to promise to take it easy and just enjoy it. And um, he was out on the course doing his warm up with one of the other guys from our running club. And they were at the top of this hill. They said, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll wait here and just see the ladies come over the hill. And <laughs> here I come. I was, I was leading up the hill, charging up the hill. And he was just laughing, going, she just can't control herself. She cannot be tamed. She's like a lioness that just 
just cannot hold back no matter what. And I think that that does just sum me up entirely that unfortunately I'm not very good at holding back and it doesn't matter whether it's just a 5K cross-country race or a full Ironman, I'm always going to go all in and whether that's a positive or a negative at times, um, unfortunately that's just who I am. I, I just envision... Lucy, I envision Reese just always being around you and his head's going like this. I, I don't believe it. What the hell? What, what else is going on? You know what I mean? Because you never, you never really think you've done enough, do you? Yeah, that, that is it. And we also, we have a very funny debate going on at the moment because Reese and I are both running the London Marathon on Sunday. And I'm oh, wait, not- wait, 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 wait a minute. Are you serious? yeah so we're both down to race and I'm only allowed to do it if I go easy and everyone (laughs) is messaging me going but that's not the Lucy Charles way like Lucy doesn't do anything easy so uh, I've got I've got Dan telling me I'm only allowed to do it if I go easy so we shall see Reese actually gets a 10 minute head start on me and he was like don't make me look behind me and you be there (laughs) you'll be in so much trouble so I'm gonna try and go easy I cannot wait to see that result. <laughs> well, have a have an easy day out there. <laughs> I'm going to try and just enjoy it, soak up the crowds. I think it will be amazing that the marathon is back in London. So yeah, I'm just excited to be out there. Well, Lucy, this this sport uh, needs your smile. It needs your attitude and your passion and and uh i on behalf of everybody out there thank you for that because it's a pleasure to be able to uh know you and bring you into the finish line and and tell the world what you are uh so thank you for that and and uh, many more to come oh thank you very much it's been great chatting to you mike you too lucy take care of yourself have a great day all right everybody that is it another edition of find your finish line presented by curad performance series the official medical supplier of Iron Man. If you like the podcast, please subscribe to it. Leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. Uh, we've been doing it since, uh, what, the last four or five months. It's been going very well, and I'm happy with all the response, and, and thank you very much for your support. So remember, if you want to be a champion, all you have to do is do the hard things. Don't run away from them. Run to them, and you'll become a champion. Take care of yourselves, everybody. And as always, my warmest aloha.